All right, so on this fourth Sunday of Advent, on this Christmas Eve morn, I want to revisit the idea that I first presented to you on the first Sunday of Advent. Throughout history, humanity has placed some sort of value on the birth of a child. It doesn't matter geography, time, location. Deep down, we have this feeling that a child is going to come one day into our lives and will change everything, will change the world, and will make the world a better place. This desire and expectation was placed in you and I by God himself. So that one day you would find that longing and expectation best fulfilled in the ultimate son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You and I are image bearers of God. And that means you were created to enjoy. You were created to enjoy this world, enjoy relationships, enjoy things. But chief among them, you and I were created to enjoy God himself. So this Advent, we've been learning that the fulfillment of all of the promises of God are found and met in the coming of this baby Jesus, our Lord and King. Now, for those of you that God has graced to be parents, you can testify to how children changes things, right? Right? Oh, boy. If you were self-absorbed, and self-centered before having a child, you know there is no longer any opportunity in those early years for you to focus on yourself, right? See, God intentionally created life this way. If you think that the goal of life is yourself, a child is going to radically challenge that idea in your heart. See, God has created life in such a way that all of your hopes and all of your dreams, all of your expectations and all of our futures are wrapped up and depends on a child, but his child, his son, the one that we are truly longing and waiting for. So today, we're going to see how just normal, everyday people are called to encounter the child that you and I have all been waiting for. Then we're going to take a look at their personal experience with Jesus. And then we're going to see how the baby Jesus, this child king, fundamentally change them so that we can see how this child king still today changes us. That's where we're going today. You ready? Let's rock and roll. Proposition today is this. You're going to see that the experience and then the enjoyment of Jesus as Savior and King, it fundamentally changes our reason for living. And we spoke a lot about that reason for living in Psalm 113 on the first Advent. One of the earliest things that our parents teach us is to say thank you when people give presents to you, right? Say thank you. Why are we like this? Because deep down, we know that the experience and the enjoyment of gifts is incomplete until something is expressed back. Why are we like this again? Because you and I are made in the image of God. Our experience and enjoyment of the ultimate gift, which is Jesus himself, doesn't merely create gratitude in us. It's also meant to change us and rearrange us fundamentally. So the question is, Heritage, what are you going to experience in the next 24 hours that is greater than this baby Jesus? Think about that for a moment. A new home, a new car, that brand new iPhone, roast beef whatever else that you're having, another year of family traditions, 
and the chaos and the anxiety and the tension? What are you going to experience in the next 24 hours that beats what God has done for you in Jesus? And don't get me wrong, all of these things are good things. You know I'm looking forward to feasting in these next 24 hours. But none of these things are meant to be ultimate, not for you and not for me. They are meant to point us to the experience of a giving God who gives best, not through traditions and brand new things under the tree, but through his son, our savior and king. So today you're going to see shepherds, normal, everyday people, experience and then enjoy Jesus as their savior and king. You're going to see that the experience of joy in Jesus radically changes your reason for living. Now, before this first Christmas, these shepherds were just shepherds. But after this Christmas, now they have found their reason in Jesus. They will never be the same again. They will never look at a hill or a flock at night the same ever again. And likewise, when you experience Jesus as your Savior and King, your reason for living becomes so much more. Your reason for living is, will be far different than the reasons than what you thought before the moment. Your reason for living is for a savior, for a child, for a king, and his coming kingdom. Because the first advent is wrapped into his second advent. Give me an amen, Vernon. All right, because you know our, our deacon loves eschatology. Let's get to our first point. In our first point, you're going to see shepherds encounter the message of Jesus' birth. Now, we open today by seeing shepherds doing what shepherds do. They're tending their flocks at night. That's their job. That is their profession. Their families depend on it. Their community depends on the raising of sheep. Shepherds tend to sheep. They provide for their physical needs, and they provide for the protection that they need so they can come to full term and either be used for sacrifice in the Jewish system or to be sold. They have watched over their flocks for many nights before this night. But this is a night that will change these shepherds forever. So we've read it. We've sung about it. An angel appears to these shepherds, and they are terrified, right? This is the standard human response to being in the presence of God, to being in the presence of God's message. You see, in America, we are far too casual. We are far too entertainment-driven about the gathering of God's people, the hearing of God's word, and the experience of his presence. You read of any interaction, true interaction, experience of God, and it's like this. Terror, right? And what we learn is, is that the white, Western, European, artistic expressions of angels, it pales in comparison to the real experience of them. These strong shepherds who can protect their flocks from wolves and thieves are scared to death in the presence of an angel. To experience the birth of Jesus, these shepherds are going to have to get over themselves, get over their fears, and hear a message and be invited. Let's take a look at verse 10. Because the angel shows up and then he talks. And here's what he says. Very first thing. In their terror, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. You see the angel addressing their fears? 
There are many fears that you and I have to genuinely and authentically come into the presence of God. And time and time again, consistently throughout the Bible, we see that in Jesus, the response is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the presence of God. And the challenge and the rearranging that he brings. So the angel tells these shepherds, there's no need to be afraid. Because he's there, not for judgment, but for good news of great joy. And what we learn is that this message about Jesus is good news. And that phrase is actually where we get our English word gospel. The angel is present to speak the gospel of great joy into shepherds. And this gospel of great joy is for all kinds of people, even sweaty and stinky shepherds. Amen? Some of y'all, you don't tend shepherds, but you still tend to something. Let's look at verses 11 and 12. The angel continues and says, Today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In this little town called Bethlehem, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, the King has been born. The time has finally come for God to fulfill his oldest promise given to Adam and Eve at their lowest point of life. A son has finally been born who will save us. But how will these shepherds know who this child is? There has to be more than one baby boy in David's town. They tell the shepherds that the Savior is wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, a feeding trough. So let's stop for a moment. The shepherds encounter the message of Jesus, of God fulfilling his promises by hearing. And we're okay with this, this side of the cross, this side of Bethlehem, because we've read the Apostle Paul in Romans 10 where he says that faith comes from hearing. It comes from hearing the word of Christ. We know that the the way to experience God is to sit down and to listen. And that is still our pattern today. God's people are meant to put themselves in a position, body, heart, mind, soul, to hear God's word spoken to them. You know what the good news of great joy is right now? You're doing that, at least physically. Well, maybe even not. You're physically present. But you will never experience and enjoy Jesus if you don't put your body, heart, mind, and soul in a position to encounter his message. Now, here's what's so special about the message the shepherds heard. The Savior has been born for them. Do you see that? See how personal that is? A Savior has been born for you, not just for all people, but for you. The question we have to ask is, who are these shepherds? What's so special about these shepherds that the king of kings would take on flesh close to where they're working so they can come and see? And the answer is, of course, nothing. We know that God's election of us is unconditional, right? The Savior and the king, though, didn't merely take on flesh for shepherds, but for all of his people, past, present, and future. Jesus took on flesh for them personally and for you personally. Thank God for myself personally. And we'll get to that more in point two. But for now, let's keep going with what the angel says to the shepherds. Verse 13 and 14. It continues on, and Luke says that suddenly there appeared with the angel 
a multitude of heavenly hosts. And what are they doing? They're praising God. And this is what they're saying. Glory to God in the highest, and then on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. An encounter with the message of Jesus not only includes speaking of Jesus. It is that, but it's also more. It's also about singing to Jesus, singing about Jesus. First Sunday of Advent, we learn from Psalm 113 that our reason for living is hallelujah, for praise. The shepherds experience a heavenly host praising God, singing glory, singing peace to God's people. Now, can you imagine these melodies of this multitude of angels? Can you imagine the harmonies that the shepherds got to hear that night? But this is our pattern for encountering God, for experiencing God. We sing about God, and we listen to God's word. And we sing about God, and we listen to God's word. And for 2,000 years, the people of God have been doing this over and over and over. And the secular world says, y'all crazy. And we are. We're a little bit crazy, right? But by these two things, we can experience God. Shepherds hear God, and they witness worship, and they are forever changed. And that brings us to our second point. And our second point you're going to see now, the shepherds encountered. Now they're going to experience the birth of Jesus personally. What puts shepherds on a path to experience Jesus personally was being put in a position to encounter words about Jesus. And how great would that be if an angel were just to show up before us and just speak God's word? Done, right? Now we know the stories are true. It's not just pastoral propaganda, right? Fortunately, we don't have the angels, but fortunately we have something better than angels. We have Christ himself. But you can never experience Jesus personally if you don't put yourself in a position to see and hear and sing about him. Yes, even sing. These shepherds will never find Jesus to be their ultimate joy if they don't experience him for themselves personally. And it's the same with you and with you and with you. Here's the thing, and I've used this illustration before. My personal experience with Jesus cannot replace your need to experience Jesus personally. Do you get that? On Christmas Day, I'm preparing beef tenderloin. Oh, what time are we eating? How big is the beef tenderloin? It's like five pounds or something. I don't know. You know how I prepare it? Indirect heat on my grill, so it's just slowly cooking all day. I lather it with butter. I put bacon on my grill grate on top of it and let bacon just sizzle and just get into the meat. At least I'm not doing it on stage, right? I've done that with you with bread and honey, and y'all are so mad. I'm also making a chimichurri sauce for dipping. Here's the thing. My enjoyment of beef tenderloin cannot fill your belly. I cannot. And likewise, my personal experience of Jesus cannot satisfy your soul. I pray it can make an impact in your life, but it can't replace it. You must feast on the beef tenderloin yourself. So come on, I'm serious. And most of all, 
you must experience Jesus for yourself. In my time with you as a pastor, I've had Christians come up to me, well, people who say that they're Christians, and say, I struggle because I just have no desire for Jesus. I made this decision, I did this thing like early on, but there's been no desire since then. Now, though the reasons for this are often complicated by pain and suffering, and by the way, when we're done with Advent and we start the new year, as I've promised you long ago, we're finally going to do some theology of suffering to start the year. It's about time. We've been through enough sorrows of our soul for us to address it together as a church family and get a theology of suffering. We're doing that in January through the cross, the greatest suffering of human history. That's where we're going. That's a little sneak peek for next year. They say, I'm a Christian, but I have little or no desire. But they have no joy in Jesus because they are not experiencing him personally. How long would it take for my belly to ache and rumble again after tomorrow night's feast? A couple hours, the next morning, I am going to be hungry again. Even though you know filet fills my belly, right? So good. It's even truer of Jesus. That's why the Bible talks about our relationship with Jesus as walking with Jesus, slow and steady every single day. It may be that they are not experiencing and desiring Jesus because they're not putting themselves in a consistent, continual position, body, heart, mind, soul, to hear him. Now, what we see next is that shepherds don't only listen to the words about God. They act on these words. Let's take a look in verse 15. Luke says that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began talking to each other. And here's what they said. Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds act on angel songs and angel words. They leave their flocks there on the hillside at night, and they go straight to Bethlehem. Now, here's the thing. Now, their flocks will be left unattended. Wolves can come and devour. A thief can come in and steal, right? And we can often use good things like our jobs to give an excuse for why we don't experience God. But nonetheless, they left their post and went straight to Bethlehem to see. Do you see that today? That is our pattern. Shepherds remind us of what happens when we make acting on Jesus' word a priority. Now, here's the reality. You are never going to experience what joy in Jesus feels like if you don't listen to and act on his word. That's the ingredient. Action. So let's see what happens when the shepherds act on God's word that they heard that first Christmas. What happens when they go straight to Bethlehem and see? Verse 16 and 17, Luke says, They came in a hurry. They found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statements which had been told them about this child. Shepherds hear God's word. Shepherds acted on God's word, and now they get to experience God's word fulfilled. That is the pattern for us 
on this fourth Sunday of Advent. Lowly shepherds are among the first people to see for themselves the oldest promise of God fulfilled. Shepherds are one of the first people to see Jesus personally. Now, this is the reality. Shepherds are not the cultural elite. They are not the who's who of Israel or Jerusalem. Shepherds are lower class people. And it is here that you and I must remember Psalm 113 from the first Sunday of Advent. God promised to the psalmist that one day a king would come. Even though he is king and he is elite, he is uber, right? He stoops down to lift the needy, to lift the poor, and to give joy to the barren. And now we know that shepherds are proof of this. Jesus was not born in Rome. Jesus was not born in Jerusalem. Jesus was born in little David's town. Now, after seeing the promise of Jesus fulfilled, look what these shepherds do. These men of action, these men of being with animals probably more than people, you know what they start doing? They start talking. They tell Mary and Joseph all about their encounter with the angels. And so many times over my years with you, especially among our men, I hear something like, I didn't go to school for that. I can't talk about Jesus. I don't have training for that. Well, the only training that shepherds have was um, caring for their flocks, right? But what I want you to see right now is when these burly, sweaty, stinky men stand up and talk, what happens to the people in their lives? Let's look at verse 18 and 19. It says, And all who heard the shepherds' words wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, I don't want to say too much about this, because verse 18 and 19 is the content for our Advent devotional tonight. So I'm going to try to reel that in. But let me say something about the shepherds, though tonight's focus is Mary. Let me say something about the shepherds and what they teach us about experiencing God. You cannot help but tell others about what you experience and what you enjoy. Whenever y'all go out of town, you know what happens to me when y'all are out of town? My phone blows up. You know what's on there? Pictures of food. Showing off what you're eating. We had some friends yesterday. They're out of town. They're in New Orleans right now. I must have received, no joke, like 15 messages of food they were eating. Once again, why are we like this? Because when you truly enjoy something, you cannot help but talk to people about it. Even if you're uneducated shepherds, right? These shepherds found joy when they encountered and acted on God's word. This is the reality. No matter what you're doing right now in your pursuit of joy and happiness in this life, joy is incomplete until it's found in Jesus, and until you tell others about the experience that you have had. That's how God created us. Whether it's you're just on vacation and you really just want to mess with your pastor, or in the most serious matter of life, your joy in Jesus. This is how God created us. But don't miss this. God used uneducated, lowly, sweaty, stinky shepherds to encourage a young woman's heart. Do you see that? 
She is a new mom. We talked about this last Sunday. She has been through the most challenging season of her young life. Being a pregnant woman in a traditional Eastern culture that would kill her for being pregnant before her betrothal was consummated through sex with her spouse. Now, her heart is filled with how God is already fulfilling his promise to use her son to lift the lowly and to redeem the weak. Your experience of God in Jesus is going to have an impact on people. Because you cannot help but talk about what truly brings enjoyment to you. The experience of God is going to change your reason for living. And that brings us to our point of application. And this is really, above all things, what I want you to take out of this place today. And to begin to think, how does this work out for my life? How does this work out today with all the hustle, with all the bustle, with all the tension, with all the anxiety? This is it, right? to rejoice in Jesus as your reason for living. I have been asking you this all Advent, from the first Sunday on. What is your reason for living? Today I want to ask you, are you really happy? Forget about Christianity. Forget about the manger. Forget about Bethlehem. Forget about the cross. Are you really happy? Questions like this have changed men and women throughout history. Are you really happy? You have set out in your life up to this point today with some construction of what you think happiness is and the things and the people that you can leverage to experience that happiness. And I have to ask, when you lay your pillow, your head down on your pillow, are you happy? The promise of Advent is this. The encounter and experience of Jesus as your Savior and King ends in the highest happiness, joy. It ends in God rearranging your reason for living. And this is what the shepherds experience here. Let's see the conclusion of their story. Verse 20, Luke says that the shepherds went back. Of course they had to, right? They still got flocks to tend to. But they go back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. These shepherds leave Bethlehem and they return to their normal lives. They go back to shepherding sheep. The mundane, everyday, sweaty, stinky affairs of their life. But they are no longer the same. Do you see that? We cannot say these shepherds went home and as if you can't tell if they're Christians now. They experienced Jesus for themselves. Their reason for living is forever changed. Now, I personally do not think that these shepherds gave up their day job. I don't think they stopped being shepherds and went to seminary. There weren't seminaries then. There were rabbinical schools and in inception. It's not like these shepherds gave up their day job and then just followed a rabbi. They went back to their sheep day in, and day out. But I think that Jesus, the baby Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, gave a deeper purpose. You like that? That's the... They gave a deeper purpose to their lives than what their profession could ever give to them. 
Do you see that? For those of you who have your identity wrapped up in your profession, your identity wrapped up in your relationships, Jesus gives them a deeper purpose, and that is our expectation this Christmas. Jesus gives us a deeper reason for living than our professions, than our marriages, and our families, and our friendships, and our boyfriends, and our girlfriends, and our hobbies. Jesus gives us a deeper reason for our professions, for our marriages, for our families, for our friends and families. God takes on flesh, his son, our savior and king. And as Psalm 113 promised, he lifts the needy. He redeems the poor. He restores joy to the barren. He gives to them and to us a place at his table and a purpose in his kingdom. These shepherds now glorify and praise God. Their experience of the baby Jesus is incomplete until they tell others about it. And that is exactly what we see shepherds doing. So what does this mean for us? When you truly experience Jesus, you begin to understand that the point of your life is praise. You and I were created to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. These shepherds tell people about their experience of the baby Jesus. So still today, there is a haunting feeling deep down inside of us that a child can save us. That is just the echo, the residue of the oldest promise from Genesis still screaming and beckoning to you today. And on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we say that the fulfillment of this promise is Jesus, the child in the manger that will and can radically change the lives of these shepherds, and this Jesus can still change you today. So therefore, you and I, we resolve to do this. We keep putting ourselves in a position, body, heart, mind, soul, to hear Jesus and his words spoken to us. And we put ourselves in a position to sing to Jesus and about Jesus. So Heritage, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, put yourself in a position to experience Jesus personally. Put yourself in a position to act on what you are hearing. And you will find a joy that is deeper than marriage, and family, and hobbies, and food. You will find yourself impacting the lives of others. You will find yourself glorifying and praising God more than the temporary pleasures of this world. And Jesus will be your Savior, and he will be your King, and he will give you a place at his table and a purpose in his kingdom.